CrossFit 4185 presents the Community in the Fort podcast. I'm your host, Coach Mallory. In this podcast, we're going to be taking a deep dive into our community to highlight our members, hear their stories, learn from each other, and have a great conversation along the way. In today's episode, I sat down with one of our longtime members, Bob Freeborn. Bob is a joy to have in every class, and we can't imagine the gym without him. We discussed his background in teaching in a foreign country, coaching for 38 years, and how CrossFit has helped him regain his life. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and enjoy. So welcome back, everybody, to our Community in the Fort podcast. I'm here with Mr. Bob Freeborn, uh, one of our not only ambassadors, but one of our favorite members. Um, So, Bob, why don't you start with just let me know who you are, what do you do, um, and then we'll kind of get into how you found CrossFit. Okay. Uh, Bob Freeborn, I've been on, my career has been in teaching and coaching for, in Fort Wayne for, I think this is my 38th year. I teach at Blackhawk Christian, coach high school soccer there for 35 years, finally retired from that. And uh, now I'm in kind of a semi-retirement teaching advanced placement biology at Blackhawk. So that's uh, my career story. And I've always been involved in exercise, even from high school, college, though I wasn't any kind of spectacular athlete. I always did weight training and some kind of thing. Did a lot of running and then my knees, I had a soccer injury, ACL tear, my knees kind of mm, didn't cooperate. So oh, I didn't I, know that. Did you play just soccer just in high school? Just club soccer. Oh, club stuff. Did yeah. they have not, a soccer program? Not in high program? school, post high school. Oh, so you didn't start playing until after high school. Right. Oh, I mean, okay. when I grew up in Ohio, it was pretty much football, wrestling. Sure. There wasn't even soccer in schools. It hadn't even happened yet. Really? Yeah. So oh then I gosh. went to college, and then I got my first teaching job, and they needed a soccer coach, and I was there, and I was, the next thing you know, I was the coach, and I was actually learning on the job with them. No kidding. Because I didn't really have a very broad background in the sport, but I just kept working out, learning, working through a lot of uh that's amazing. And a 35-year coaching career. That's crazy. Yeah. Actually, I, I connected with a couple people like uh, Coach Clark, Bobby Clark at Notre Dame would have a spring clinic. I'd go over there every year. And I love that guy. He, oh, yeah. He would, you know, he cared about developing the sport in this country and in, in the Midwest. He had things for high school coaches. He'd answer emails. He was very wow, uh, a great resource for me. Yeah. And Bobby Porcinitas, who's a local guy in town, was a very kind of mentored me a lot as well. So anyway, we kind of grew the program over there and got it to where it is today. And anyway, along the way, I did running and then I did biking and then I did rowing. And then finally, with my team, AWP, worked with my soccer team. And one time I asked them if they had any adult fitness classes and they said, yeah, you should come join us. So that was my first time actually in a group fitness environment. I really liked what they did. Dylan Painter was our trainer. He was, but they kind of went away. Yeah. That was kind of a weird, how that all happened. I just, I don't know. Is AWP still like around? Like, do they have a If they are, I think they're just like seven on seven football or something like that. Really? And really in that, even though Dylan was a CrossFit guy, yeah, basically there was this one adult class one time a week or one hour during the day and had like 20 people in. Okay, yeah, that was when I, I remember um, following Dylan, like Dylan was still um, at Mad Apple with us, and it was, was it in that big arena with all the turf and stuff? Is that where you guys were? Uh, I'm trying to think of where we were. 
Oh, we were in the uh, Parkview, the field house. Yeah. And upstairs, yeah, yeah they had turf up there. And yep. They had a little designated Yeah, area that was a, bunch a of really wood. great setup. I wonder yeah. why things just. Uh, I think they tried to expand. I know they went up northwest and they bought a facility up there. I, I don't know how at all. Ended, yeah. But it ended for me. Yeah. And, and yeah. then I didn't really. And then, as I said, I got bit by a dog, and I was out of commission for three months or so. And then, so give me the when did you start at AWP? What's the timeline? Like, when, what year well, do you think you started? That was there? probably this is twenty two. That was probably like two thousand fourteen or fifteen. Okay, okay, sixteen maybe even. And then I was trying to think of. I think I'm coming up on my three years with you. Yeah, I know. I was trying actually to go look through and find your original email. Yeah, um, and so. I said to Mallory, uh, I saw a picture of myself at my wife's birthday party, and I didn't really like what I saw in the photograph. And I thought <laughs> I needed to do something so I could change the trajectory of on my way to being a, a round, sedentary, older person. So I talked to a couple friends, a physical therapist, a couple people, and I said, I'm curious about CrossFit. I'm not sure I'm really a candidate for that. It looks kind of daunting for someone in my condition with an artificial hip couple bad knees and a few other issues, but I emailed Mallory. That was March of 19. 19, yeah. And I told her who I was and said, you know, I don't know if you think you can do anything for me, but I'm willing to give it a try. And then you invited me to come over and try it. And that kind of started at Mad Apple. I was in, like I said, March of 19. And it was so exhausting and so... <laughs> Amazing. I don't know. I would just finish the workout, get in the car, call my daughter, and I'm like, you won't believe what I just did. Uh, I don't believe what I just did. And I'd walk in the door, and my wife was like, what, what have you been doing? But anyway, it kind of uh, stuck. You know, I got, uh, I enjoyed the physical benefit of it, but I really enjoyed meeting different people uh, oh, yeah. there at that facility. And I, I appreciated your work with accommodating me and my challenges and all that kind of stuff. And then... Uh, I'm not sure if it was COVID. Somehow, I know you left Mad Apple mm -hmm. and came over here to start this. And then shortly after that, I think they closed that place. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the the timeline. I think they closed that North location in April. It was like, it was honestly right before we had to shut down for COVID. Okay. Um, and so they, when they closed, had you already been not going there um i went there for i mean did you go all the way through because i don't yeah, think I you started there. back with us until like june right there was june? a gap there i think i was there for maybe a year and yeah then yeah that would have been right because that'd been march and then right yeah they closed and then i was out of the loop for a while and then i remember i would come over here when this place was being built i think i bumped into you a oh yeah times. oh yeah i saw denise and a couple other people that i had known from matt apple Yep. And then finally came over here and have been here for a couple of years now. I know, so, the whole family. Yeah, and then my, <laughs> now my wife comes and my kids jump in here when they're in town. Yeah. And, and it's been really a, I was just thinking about it driving up here. Uh, I signed up to just try to get physically, have a physical benefit, but there's so many other things that I've appreciated about this place, starting with all the different people. I mean, I'm merely oh, that. Yeah. It's amazing what, this kind of thing brings such a cross section of people right. together. Right. And <clears throat> I've just really enjoyed, I like enjoying just meeting different kinds of people oh, from yeah. different walks of life. And there's everything here from teenagers to 
me in the master's division and then <laughs> everything right. in between. And so it's been a lot of fun. It's been very challenging. Uh, so the physical part's been great. The social, just meeting these people and then just the mental benefit of being able to actually do some of these things that you weren't sure you could actually do. Oh, so, absolutely. No, that's, great, that's Sarah. well, and I think that's a testament to you of just, you know, coming in every day and, and you know, we get those moments where you're like, Oh man, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> you know, and that's okay. Like those are reservations that we have. Um, I, um, I, I think that's probably, and I know I've said it before that, that the notion of, being mixed with a group of people that you would never like, there would probably never be situ really any situations where we would we would necessarily no, be. I, I would know these people or, if it wasn't for. Right, and this. and something about when you're in gym clothes and everybody's stripped down and you're not in your professional attire, no one knows what anyone's status is as far as their job or right. lifestyle or whatever, and it's just it's a it's a true like melting pot of people. So um, I I absolutely I 100% agree with, agree with that for sure. Um, one thing uh, that you mentioned was kind of like your kind of age directory on everything. What do you feel like was some of your biggest, I don't know necessarily hurdles, but like what were your biggest um, maybe misconceptions or what did you struggle with before you even came in? Was it uh, just, was it the age thing? Was it just the, the movements? Was it? I mean, looking what little I knew about CrossFit. I wasn't sure how much of that I could actually do. Some of mm -hmm. the Olympic lifts and then just the age thing means, you know, I, gosh, am I actually going to be able to jump rope? Because when I started, I couldn't jump rope. Right, I was right. just stepping up and down off a plate and then finally yep. I figured out how to jump rope. So, hey, now I can jump rope. That's right, good. Right. Um, so, yeah, those were things that I wasn't sure I could get. And I still, there are things that I still can't do, but I can do enough of these things to actually get something oh, out of participate absolutely. and obviously you and Tyler and Christian are good at scaling and making things accommodating for somebody like me so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, how has it been kind of seeing because I'm sure you're surrounded by fairly you know athletic or you know someone athletic people in your coaching career yeah. you know I'm sure most of those people you coach with probably have retired at this point or aren't you know, have yeah. they, have you seen them trickle down a certain path? Is it, what, how has that kind of been? Oh, that's one of the things I miss most about coaching are the guys that I coach with and against. Uh, they've taken all different directions. You yeah. Know, some of them yeah. are still working and they're very busy. And some of them like uh, Katie's dad, mm -hmm. I see him in here. We coach oh, yeah. against each other for a number of years. So, you know, we're both kind of in the same, in the older age range of things here. And we, right, we right. enjoy it. We work through as best that we can but um yeah people take different paths some some people are really conscientious about trying to stay in a fit mode mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and some people aren't so right right how has it been for you as far as like not coaching this has been your is this your first or second year not oh coaching? no this is like my third year third year how was uh, that a, transition it's been a relief actually I'm, I'm really happy that i did it for all that time yeah but looking back it's uh I remember hearing an interview with one of the local coaches, a football coach that was retiring, and he, his comment in the interview was, there's still love the sport, still love the kids, but you need to do 25 things to be able to get this job done. I'm only doing 15 of them right now. And that's kind of the way I felt. It was like, it was a year-round oh, yeah. endeavor. You know, the season ended, and then middle school started, and then the summer stuff. And it just got to be more than I wanted to do anymore. So Yeah. 
I don't know how you have time for anything once you you don't. You have so when you're in the middle of that, you're like it's a second job basically. Yeah, yeah. Second job probably doesn't pay enough. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it wasn't about the pay. They told me that in college. No one does this for for pay. Right, right. Anyway, how is the when you like started coaching? How how much has everything kind of evolved? Like, is there still things that you would do in practices or in from that you did way back when, or is everything totally different? Oh, uh, for me, it was always there. It was just an evolution and a learning curve. But the sport itself, soccer, has evolved tremendously. Mm-hmm. We didn't have when I started coaching at, at Blackhawk IHSAA. It wasn't a sanctioned sport, so there was just club teams. Coaches organized their own tournaments. Then finally, IHSAA came in and said, "Hey, we're going to have a state tournament, and there's rules." And it was one class. We were thrown in with everybody. Oh boy! We had some great moments there along the way. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, and then it became, you know, one class, two class, three class. It all that all changed. And then uh, I don't know the sport. I just kept learning more and more uh, to try to make the preparations for player development and game development yeah. better. I was just hungry to try to figure out a way because we were always the struggling small school that was oh, trying sure. to keep up and stay with. And so I always felt like I got to work harder. Mm-hmm. I got to learn more. I got to figure out ways to get this done better just to keep my head above water. So how do you feel like in kind of like, you know, my love and passion comes in coaching. So in that regard, like, how do you feel like you were as a coach, maybe in the beginning versus maybe how you ended, ended your career? Did you feel like you were a, always a player's coach? Were you more of, you know, very strategic in a lot of things? Like how, where do you feel like you fell? Um, that's a good question. I like to uh, study coaches, you know. I mean, if you're really into this sport and the coaching, like I always liked um, Jurgen Klopp at Liverpool. And I would read articles about how he did his training sessions, how he managed his team. Bobby Clark at Notre Dame, like what kinds of things that he do that were applicable to me. And then, mm-hmm. and then just watching them interact with players and realizing, you know, I know I got a lot of work to do to set up the cones and get all this thing organized. But at the same time, we have people. And I know right. in one of the articles I read about Jurgen Klopp, he would just take the first five or 10 minutes on the practice field to just circulate around uh, players and have conversations about yeah. their life and what was going on. And, mm-hmm. and that kind of, those things became, you know, those are important. Yeah. Along, yeah. The way, along with just the strategy and, hey, we got to get the technical parts of this and that done. Right. It's so, one of those, I mean, what's the classic quote? It's like, you know, people are only going to listen to you when they know that you care. Right. Right. So, like, even when you're dealing, especially with high school kids, yeah. high school boys, right. especially, right? You know, you have to almost earn that respect a little bit. And yeah. and that is something that, you know, we try to develop with, with our coaches and, and knowing that, that the personal, you know, the way that you treat someone is just as important as like what you're trying to teach them, right. you know, and, and oftentimes that development of the whole person kind of ends up happening even, you know, in classes or, you know, yeah. practice. And, and you don't even realize it's going on. I got a letter the other day from a former player from five years ago. Just one of those random thank yous that. Wow. I, I don't remember having any great moment or yeah. any great thing, but you know, something stuck along the way. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> I thought a lot about what happens here and then in my own coaching career and you and good coaches that have been around uh, where you bring, there's a technical part to the sport or the workout or the whatever, 
there's a challenge and there's a support. You know, if you can put those three things, I always try to do that in my coaching career. I want yeah. to challenge the players, make them reach a level they didn't even think they could reach. But at the same time, no, I was actually for them, even though I was barking at them half the time. Right. And, Right. You know, we had our moments when we were all on the same page. I, you, of course, you, you and I had those moments too. Because <laughs> one time I said, "Mallory, I don't think I can this these squats. I, I'm not sure I can do this anymore." And you just looked at me and said, "Bob, every day you don't squat is one day closer to a day you can't squat. You need to get in here tomorrow. Do some more of this. <laughs> like that's right. Spoken like a good coach. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's so, so. funny. Well, it, and it becomes you. You know, you have to almost turn into like this life coach because there's certain players where you could. Or right. get them like that, and there's other kids you gotta like, yep. you know. And it's the same way with people. You know, yep. people are the same. Are the same. They don't. Um, you know, you gotta think about their different life experiences. Right. Have they been an athlete before? Have they ever done anything? Have they, you know, they challenged themselves like yeah. this? And, and then you gotta think of, okay, what's their day been? Are they having a good day? Are they having a bad day? You know, yeah. it's just so many things that you think of that when I look back at my coaches too, of like. There's definitely some coaches who paid attention to those things, and there's some coaches yeah. who didn't. And I always appreciate the coaches who who did, you know, a little bit more. And 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 so that's that's really that's really interesting for me. I like the you know sports psychology of it. I yeah. like you know all, that whole kind of champions mindset that you mm-hmm. kind of have. And so that's really that's really good. But it's always good when you get to hear from former players. I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah, it's great. You know? um, I uh, I was reading something kind of in the other day. We were talking about our um, kind of on the sign of coaching, talking about coaching. So um, we always talk about there's like six different attributes for being an effective coach. You have your teaching, seeing, correcting, demonstration, presence and attitude, and group management. And the two that I think sometimes get overlooked the most are your presence and attitude and your group management. I think everyone tries to focus on like, how to teach a movement or, you know, watching people move. But if, if you can't control the environment, like forget about practice or class yeah. or whatever, it just goes out, out the wazoo. What were some of like the things that you tried to do when it came to like those things? Did you have any, any certain strategies that you tried to do when it came to, you know, making sure everyone was managed and stayed on top of things? Like what, what were some of your best practices? I guess. My- I mean, I, I knew I had to get to the practice field a half an hour early just to get everything set up and organized. That was a big, that was the biggest thing. If I just got there when the practice started, there would be so much wasted time just kind of oh, yeah. moving stuff around. And, and you know, again, that's kind of, you guys have been able to, because when I started here, was that a year ago, two years, year and a half ago? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, there weren't a whole lot of people here. So right. Sometimes I was the only one in the class, oh, like yeah. me and my wife or one other person yeah and now i've been in workouts here where there's 20 people oh and, yeah uh, i know christian works really hard at trying to get things set up and organized and, and i walk out of there going wow i don't know how you guys did that there were like so many people moving around with so much equipment but it all kind of like flowed and everybody got stuff done yeah yeah we all finished and but yeah that's a challenge the oh, more people sure. and the more complicated it gets so absolutely did you um and something we kind of press with that you know a lot of it is um, you'll see, I mean, Christian or Tyler even had his notebook out, you know, he's got his whole timeline set out from yep. time start classes to time ends. Like that's really something that we try to press is having a plan. Even if that plan goes completely out no, the window, you know, having some, you can tell plan. when people are organized. And is that something that prepared. you would do for practices too? Oh yeah. 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 There were definitely segments of time devoted to things and you're trying to address technical issues and tactical issues and 
make sure people are having some fun in there. Oh, yeah. Other, oh, know, yeah. Depending on it was a bad game yesterday. Maybe we'll just start the day with a fun little. We always had a few of those fun games in our back pocket that would just kind of lift the oh, yeah. energy of everybody come dragging in after something that hadn't gone so well. So, yeah. Yeah, there's those kinds of things. So. What are some things that you think when you look back in your coaching career that like were some of your all-time highlights? Like what's what's one of your like give me like top three achievements? What are some things that come to mind? Uh, my number one thing that I look back on was again, this is part of the history of Blackhawk, which was a small fledgling little private school trying to so when I started coaching there, uh, even when IHSA started, not very many local schools would even put us on their schedule. So we were going to Ohio to play a little Christian school over there, or we were going to Indy or Marion Bennett, or we were we were traveling at Goshen to play Bethany Christian. We were going all over the place. And then finally, you know, Concordia or Snyder, okay, we'll play. Uh, they just Was it a matter of just the fact they didn't think you were good enough to play? Yeah, we weren't we weren't we weren't good enough yeah, or yeah. you know competitive enough or uh we were just kind of an unknown quantity. I mean you know it was once you kind of get in the community and you're in the coaches association and you're at, and you develop relationships then it's easier to say, Hey, maybe we could schedule a game. And so sure. we, we got on the schedules. They beat the crap out of us, you know, over and over again for a number of years, but slowly, but surely, uh, we got to where, you know, we didn't have to go traveling all over the place. Yeah. All, all our games were local and we were playing Carol and, Homestead and Snyder and Canterbury and everybody. Uh, and we we were a competitive side and, and that was a lot of fun. And you know, we didn't win a state championship. We did have a couple nice runs in the semi-state and final four and stuff like that. But I mean, it became you know, I remember the homestead coach calling me one time and saying, Hey, I want you to come down to Indy with me. Uh, we these Indy schools want to play somebody from Fort Wayne and we want to play somebody from Indy. So Noblesville and Cathedral, oh, they wow. want to get, you know, and, and I'm like, Mike, why are you calling me? You know, call <laughs> Canterbury, call. He had made a couple calls and it, it didn't work out. He said, no, I, I think you guys can do it. I'm like, okay. And then for like six months, I'd wake up at night going, why did I say I would do that? This is <laughs> insane. But we did that for four years and we wow. had, we were down there. We had great competitive games, mm -hmm. Noblesville, Cathedral. My last year, I think we beat Noblesville, and then we lost to Cathedral one to nothing. And they, they were very good sides. Wow, so, Noblesville's—that's—that's that's big. Oh yeah, we points. went to their school, oh. and it was like their field was pristine, and they had good players. And in well, fact, my son double who, the size of Black. Oh yeah, or triple. Yeah. My son lives in Noblesville, and he went over there to see if uh, he could be a volunteer coach. And their coach said, "Oh, Freeborn, is your dad the coach?" Yeah, he, he retired. Oh. They beat us, and so he decided to retire. That I, I see how that. Works. Oh my gosh, you so, remember that? Yeah, awesome. he remembered that. That is so, awesome. Anyway, those those are, you know, just getting a program to a place where you can actually be competitive and yeah, be in the Carroll tournament and all that kind of stuff. And then, I don't know, it's just the people part of it. The other coaches, the players, and did you have some coaches that were there with you from the beginning? Yeah, I had a kid that played for me, and then he played at IPFW, and he was Josh Summer. He was. He's really a good coach, and he's a yeah. great guy, and he he's really good. I remember the first time we won our sectional, I think we were still in one class, and Snyder, boy, I, this shouldn't go public. I, I'm going to have to <laughs> this guy's mad at me, but 
Snyder was undefeated, and they were they had to come and play us. And somehow we beat them in the regular season, and they were just wow for sure. That was a big fluke. And then we we draw them in the tournament the oh. first game, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is this is going to be really difficult. And we beat them again. You're kidding? No, and they, they that was a that was a good moment. And then we won that sectional. Uh, we beat, I think, Concordia on penalty kicks, and there was the big dog oh pile in the field. Oh, my gosh. Had a hockey player that made the final kick. Because, it, you know, at Blackhawk, it wasn't all just soccer players. Oh, sure. You kind of had a core, but then you had to have a couple other players. And I always loved hockey players. They oh, were, my gosh. The kid came through in the clutch, and it was really oh. a great moment. So we had some wow, good, so good moments. Wow, so you beat him penalty kicks. Oh, that's amazing. Those are those sports yeah. moments where you're like, all right, this is this yeah. is why we've done all of that. Oh, work. yeah. I, I, Years. I tell a lot of stories, but I won't, especially since this actually goes to people. Right. right. There's some, there, I'm yeah. sure you there's some. You might want to edit some of that people. out. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's so good. And I think you know, you're talking about how former players have now become coaches. I'm sure that's probably just as rewarding as, yeah. as anything else, you know. And especially as the sport grows, because there needs to be more. You know, I didn't grow up playing soccer, but the, those younger guys, they all grew up playing. They know a lot more about things mm-hmm, than, than I do. Mm-hmm. They can play better than I can. So there comes a time when it's, you know, a young man's game and you've got to turn some sure. of these things over to them. But um, Well, I think that's a testament to you as far as a coach because, you know, I have a lot of um, coaches that I've worked with or people who say that they want to come coach. And, you know, there's certain elements um, of CrossFit that, they, that they're not maybe – they can't do, you know. So, that you know, I, oh, I can't do a muscle-up or – you know, my handstand push-ups aren't very good. I really can't be a coach. And it's like, well, no, you can do these things. It's just you got to get a little more creative, right? Yeah. And I think oftentimes it's almost a detriment if you can do those things because you can just naturally do them And versus someone who maybe hasn't yet developed those skills. You have to – you can start to explain and really break down the movement, whereas someone who can just do it, like, well, I just do it. Yeah. You don't know the why, yeah. you know, and I think that's something very that – I think oftentimes people assume that if you're a great player, you're automatically going to be a great coach. And it's like, that's no. not always. Some of the best coaches the were, the, were the guy that was on the end of the bench that didn't get in the game sure. very much, but was always studying the game and oh, yeah. understanding how things work. So. Absolutely. And understanding, you know, and I think there's a little bit of humility that has to come in when it comes oh, yeah. to coaching a lot of times. And sometimes those top players don't, you know. Always there's a little bit of humility that. has to come in just walking in this gym and realizing <laughs> oh, that. Sure. Some of this is going to be a real challenge, but um, oh yeah, yeah. CrossFit has really improved uh, my whole quality of life. That's something I'm really just thankful for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's something that 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 you know that makes me feel really good, and you know, and I think that those are those moments that we kind of have to think back to when, like, you're in the middle of the workouts and things are going a little haywire, and you're like, oh my gosh, why am I why am I doing this? Yeah. Um, But you know, that's what it's all about. You said to somebody the other day, I can't understand how one hour of the day can be the worst hour of the day and the best hour of the day all at the same time. Right. It's amazing. Like, and yeah, that's kind of how it is. And you know, and it's one of those things that's like, you know, I'm coming up on, you know, it'll be 11 years this year. And it's like, it's always that way. Like yep. it's, you know, you look forward to it. I'm also super nervous. Like we had to do that workout on Tuesday with the rower. And I knew that that workout was going to be really hard. Yeah. Because I'd done it before. And so I'm like, oh, you know, you're just thinking about it the whole time. And, um, you know, right before you're about ready to get on, you've got butterflies. It's like, you're going to throw up. And then you get going and you get done. You're like, I can do anything. Yeah, Let's I go know. flip some cars. Like, you, I can, you know. <laughs> you walk out the door going, wow, 
I did that. That's right, great. Right. So, right. Whatever I have going on the rest of my day, it's it's not going to be anything hopefully compared to that. Yeah. So, um, well, that's awesome, Bob. I really I really appreciate you taking the time to to sit down and talk and. Um, we'll definitely do this again. We'll have to talk some more. Okay. Um, but I, I absolutely um, appreciate it. Um, is there anything anything you want to end with? Anything? No, left? I would just encourage you to keep moving forward. And this is a great service to the community, the people that uh, it's not for everyone, but um, for the people that gravitate towards something like this, that like the competitive part of it and the numbers and the challenge of it. It's just a great thing. And I just, I think you really, you, Tyler, have a gift at what you're doing. So I'm just glad to be part of it. And my wife is here with me now. We, we do these things together. And it's really been been great. So thank you. Awesome. Awesome. No, well said. Thank you so much, Bob. Um, and we'll see you in class. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>